You are listening to the Sojourn Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to view a video version of this message, please visit our website, sojournchurch.org. How does a kid born in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia in 1961 in a blacks-only hospital grow up to become a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army, command a battalion in combat, become a member of the United States House of Representatives, become the chairman of the largest Republican Party in the United States of America. How, how does that happen? It happens because with God, all things are possible. And so I just want to let you know that I'm just a simple sinner Saved by grace. I have so many shortcomings, failures, and faults. And my wife, Angela, my daughter, and my oldest daughter lives here in Carrollton. She's a little under the weather today, stomach ache. But they'll tell you. But the thing is that when my parents dropped me off in Knoxville, Tennessee, back in 1979 at University of Tennessee, they raised me the right way. And it says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that they should go, so that when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. So even though mom and dad left me up there at the University of Tennessee, I had to make that decision personal for myself. And so I made that decision on January of 1980 to give my life over to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's been ups, it's been downs and everything. I think some of you all know what happened to me about six months ago on I-35 coming up out of Waco. God has a sense of humor. I had a motorcycle accident in the city of West Texas. (laughs) I didn't think it was funny at the time until all of a sudden when I'm laying there on I-35 thinking I'm about to be run over. Because no one survives a motorcycle accident on an interstate highway at 75 miles per hour. But the first three people that came up to me was a doctor, a nurse, and an EMT. So that's when I laid back and said, it's going to be okay. But what I want to share with you all today is how I tried to make a difference. What enables me to make a difference? What enables you, I hope for, hopefully, in your lives to make a difference? Because if there's anything that the United States of America needs right now, if there's anything that the world needs right now, it's for Christians to make a difference. We're in an age of darkness. And you're called to be the light. You're called to be that shining city that sits upon a hill. So all I'm going to do is share with you all my top 10. Remember the days of David Letterman? He'd always start his show with his top 10. Well, I got a top 10. I know that some of you all are big time. I'm a big time college football nut. I mean, if you're born down south, like I was in Georgia and went to the University of Tennessee, there are two things, two religions down south. On Saturdays, SEC football. On Sundays, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I ain't paying attention to the college football top 10 anymore because my Tennessee volunteers just suck. I mean, <laughs> it's been almost 10 years, and I'm just sick of it. I'm about to go back and see if I can put on a suit. But here's my top 10. And at the end, I'm going to challenge you and ask you, what is your top 10? Because if the world is looking for you to be the light, you got to have some fundamentals. Just like in football, it's blocking and tackling. These are the fundamentals that God gave to me. First one comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, starting at verse 5, where it says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. 
I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give the people, this people, possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give you. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law, you shall meditate upon it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous, not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Those are the words that God said to Joshua upon the death of Moses. You know, in the military, we have this thing called a change of command ceremony where the old commander comes in, out, and the new commander comes in. This was a change of command ceremony. This was the directives from the commanding officer to the new leader, Joshua, to be strong and courageous. And Joshua was probably like me, old dumb paratroop. You got to tell him three times for it to sink in. And that's why he kept reiterating, 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 be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. This book of the law. Do not turn from it, from the right or to the left. Meditate upon it day and night, for you will have success and prosperity wherever you go. If you want to look at what established these great United States of America, it was this book of the law. There is no other nation in the world that was established upon a belief that your rights, your individual, your inalienable rights come from a creator God of life, of liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, see, I told you that in January 1980, I took that statement of faith to do exactly that. But see, two and a half years later, I took another oath. That was an oath when I stood up at Stokely Athletic Center with my father, who was a corporal, United States Army, World War II veteran, my mom, who did 25 plus years in Marine Corps civil service. And I said, I, Alan B. West, do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any purpose of evasion or mental reservation, so help me God. Why is that so important? Because it's not just this book of the law that we all need to study, not turn from it from the right or to the left, meditate upon it day and night. It is also this book of the law that I took a note to that I never leave home without. Because if you don't study both of these books of the law, guess what ends up happening? Someone's going to come along and say, hey, on the most precious, most holy, most sacred day in the Christian faith, the day for which we all live, the day when our Savior rose from the dead, resurrection day, they'll come around and say, Walmart's open. Home Depot's open. Liquor store's open. In certain states, the marijuana stores are, but the church is closed. If you're not being strong and courageous, if you're not studying and meditating upon this word, if you don't study and understand and meditate upon this word, your rule of law, then someone will come along, and I'd love any elected official to show me in that book of the law where they have the enumerated power to take away our very first liberty, our very first right, the thing that I took a note to support and defend, and that is the freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. If you're not studying both of these things, it's going to be taken away from you. 
The next. Don't hold back. I, I can't, man. You know, that's just me. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. If you're being strong and of good courage, and if you're trusting in the Lord, you know, we say down, we used to get told down south, the old folks would say, you know, write your plans in pencil because God's got an eraser. <laughs> Every single day of your life when you wake up, all you should ask is to be a humble and obedient servant to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a humble and obedient servant to God. Don't sit around and try to say, this is where I want to be. You know, when we had change of command ceremonies, we're sitting out there in that hot sun. I don't know why they always did change of command ceremonies in the summer. <laughs> and you're standing out there, got standing attention. And you're always going to laugh at the guy that locks his knees and falls out. He's going to get tore up by the sergeant. But anyhow, <laughs> you're sitting there and you're listening. How many times does the new commander say this one word, I? Because how many times he says I, that lets you know how, what type of leader he's going to be. And see, you don't want to trust in I. You want to trust in him. And when you wake up every single day, and after every morning after I run, this is what I pray. I pray, oh, that you will bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be upon me to protect me from evil so that I may not cause pain. And give me the strength, the courage, the wisdom, and discernment to defend faith and freedom for your people. And my God granted, as I have requested. If you are making your request known to the Lord, he will direct your paths. He will guide your paths. And then all you have to do is be strong and in good courage. Continue to meditate in his word. Do not turn from, from the right or to the left, and he will take you where you want to be. You know, I was pegged to be an early promote to Brigadier General. But in Iraq, I made a decision. And I made a decision that I had to protect my troops. And I was facing eight years in prison at Fort Leavenworth. And I just went in those quiet moments in Iraq, and I know it was tough on my wife and my daughters back here at Fort Hood, Texas. And I just prayed, Lord, I don't know what you have in store, but please guide me through this. Show me where you want me to go. And here I am standing before you here today. See, when you trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not upon your own understanding, in all your ways you acknowledge him, he will guide your paths. Because if you are strong and courageous, if you believe that the Lord your God shall never leave you nor forsake you, then you can be bold in all that you are doing. Next verse, this is one of my favorites, is Isaiah 54 and 17. Isaiah 54 and 17 hangs in our home. And Isaiah 54 and 17 says, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you or accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. That is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. God's already told you to be strong and of good courage, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. God has already told you if you trust in him, he'll direct your path. God has already told you nothing, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You know, my wife is a little bit different from me. Sometimes she says, oh, honey, why are they writing these bad, mean things about you? 
I'm like, baby, it's no, no worries because they have already been defeated. Because Isaiah 54, 17 says, every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. So when that fellow up there in the city of McKinney, a city councilman by the name of Lashadian Shimwell, <laughs> try to say that three times. <laughs> but when this fellow all of a sudden goes and does an interview in the Dallas Morning News, he refers to me as a coon. Yeah. And then I'm doing a town hall in the city of McKinney. He shows up. <laughs> and, you know, after town hall, you open it up for questions. And this dude believes that he's going to stand up there and ask me a question. And I remember Isaiah 54, 17. And I said, you can't ask me a question until you apologize. Because, yep. right. see... If you're being strong and a good courage, where well, you know that the Lord your God shall never leave you nor forsake you, you can go out and be bold. You can stand before anyone, just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ stood before Pontius Pilate. And when that fellow decided that I'm not going to apologize, I said, well, this is a mic drop moment. You drop the mic and you leave. And guess what? He didn't win re-election in November because the vindication is from me, declares the Lord. So you go out boldly, and you make a stand for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Understand that he has already told you to be strong and of good courage. He's telling you right now, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I don't care about COVID. I don't care about anything that's out there. You are going to be triumphant. You are going to be victorious. And when you understand that, then you can go out and you can make a difference. Jeremiah 29 and 11. Jeremiah 29 and 11, and it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope, not a hope in man, but a hope in him. And so when you trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not upon your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will guide your paths, then he comes back and tells you in Jeremiah, I know the plans I've made for you. You can write it down in pencil. I got a big whole eraser. But when you are told that he has the plans for you, he has the plans for you to prosper. He has the plans for you not to have calamity. He has the plans that will give you a true hope. Then you can go out and be strong and of good courage. Then you can go out and say that no weapon formed against me shall prosper because I already know the plans that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my God, has for me. See, what we're trying to talk about, we're trying to talk about why are Christians sitting around being wimps, whiners, and wussies right now? If you hadn't noticed, people are burning Bibles in America. If you hadn't noticed, people are burning churches in America. I would have never thought in my years, and I'm, I'll be 60 in February, I would have never thought in my years that someone would have to go and stand before the Supreme Court to defend their very first liberty. But yet, that's what Jack Phillips had to do. Remember the baker from Colorado had to go up and say, you know, I'll, I'll bake you a cake, but not for this thing which is against my faith, my belief. This time is coming. And it's time for God's people to stand up. And thank God you've got great pastors here. Not like the pastors it talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
out there trying to tickle your ears and tell you all this false doctrine and false narrative. Because that's not what God's people need right now. He knows the plans he has. America's going to be fine. I don't care who's sitting in the White House, because I know who's sitting in the big house. Okay. <laughs> Micah, Micah 6 and 8. He has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, my mama taught me this little thing. Maybe some of y'all heard this before. You know, the old, old school, that's why the old folks, they pretty smart. They didn't have a whole bunch of degrees or anything like that, but they were real smart. Mom told me that people will know you by the company that you keep. It's all about who you're walking with. You're walking with knuckleheads, you're going to be a knucklehead. You know what I'm talking about? That's what drill sergeant used to say. You want to be a knucklehead? Hang out with knuckleheads. You know, my mom, when we would uh, go to the grocery store, she, you know, in the Kroger's, they had, you know, the crabs. They were in that barrel. And you can go in and pick out your crab and everything like that. But she'd stand there, she'd tell me, you see what those crabs are doing? You see how that one crab is trying to climb up out and the other crab jumps on its back and pulls them back down? You don't want to be hanging around with the crabs in the barrel. You want to walk humbly with your God who will sense to elevate you, not bring you back down. And I will say this to the young people that are out here. It ain't easy. I know it's not. It is hard being out there in this world today where the culture and everyone else is telling you what's cool, what's acceptable, what's, what's hip. Let me tell you something. There ain't nothing cool about being somebody's victim. There ain't nothing cool about hanging out with people that don't want the best for you. You go back to Kennesaw Avenue where I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, none of my friends, none of my friends were around. And they used to chastise me. They used to call me all kinds of funny names. Streetlight was one of the favorite ones because, you know, when the streetlights came on, Mama would come out the house and say, Alan! <laughs> Al get Alan! <laughs> and I used to put the, do the walk of shame on, oh, man. <laughs> when I was carrying all those books, those math books, science books, history books, home, people would say, you know, why are you carrying those books? Why you talk funny? But you know what? When you walk humbly with your God, when you know that you can be strong and of good courage, when you know that if you meditate upon this book and that book, you will have success and prosperity wherever you go, when you know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, when you know that every tongue that condemns you, those friends, they aren't really your friends. Your best friend is the one that will be with you through thick and thin. And that's who you want to walk humbly with. Not the folks that want to jump on your back and bring you back down to their level. The best lesson that I learned when I was in airborne school in 1984 was from the black hat airborne instructor. He said, if you set the bar low, you'll jump low. God sets the bar high. And he says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. John 16 and 33 these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. The world, you will have tribulation. But take courage. There's that courage word again. Be strong and of good courage. But take courage. 
I have overcome the world. You want to make a difference? Stand up in the storm. When everything is going, do you know what around you? You know, I tell people so often about the story of uh, Thomas Jackson. Now people may get upset because he was a Confederate general, but you know, I ain't never seen a dead Confederate general offend me, so I don't know what everyone's <laughs> all upset about. But Thomas Jefferson Jackson got his nickname from the Battle of Manassas, first bull run, whatever you want to call it, because the Union Army was routing the Confederacy and the, the Georgians were fleeing from the field. And one of the commanders of the Georgia regiment said, look, there sits Jackson like a stone wall. And that became his nickname from then on. The world is looking for stone walls. The world is looking for Christians to stand up in the storms and the tumult as, as the seas are raging. You know, Thomas Jefferson once said, in matters of style, swim with the current. But in matters of substance, stand like a rock. That's what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is telling us. If you remember that song by Dolly Parton, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. God didn't promise us a rose garden. But he promised that if we meditate upon this book of the law, do not turn from it from the right or to the left. If we be strong and of good courage, we will have success and prosperity wherever we go. Too often, Christians are out there and they want to have the easy path. Remember what he said? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not upon your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Sometimes that path is the road less traveled. But you have to have the faith to go down that road less traveled. And when you have the faith to go down that road less traveled, you will make a difference because other people will follow you. In the Army, we have this thing called pathfinders. Pathfinders are the first ones to jump in. And they clear the path. That's what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us. Now you just have to have the courage to say that I can overcome this world. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. And not only this, but we also exult in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Ladies, y'all like diamonds, don't you? Come, oh, come on. <laughs> it's Christmas. Zales Jewelry, you know, Shane and Company. Ladies like diamonds, okay? What did Marilyn Monroe sing? Diamonds are a... <laughs> but what is a diamond? A black rock. How does a diamond become this incredible precious thing? Pressure and intense heat. How do we refine steel so that we can build an incredible sanctuary like this? through intense heat. See, God has told you that there will be tribulation in the world, and he's telling you right here, not only this, exalt in your tribulations, because tribulation produces that perseverance. It enables you to have that resolve, that desire to forge ahead. That's what people are looking for Christians to do. They're looking for us to be the ones to stand up and say, we're the steel, we're the diamonds, we're the shining city that sits upon a hill. But you got to be willing to go through those trials and tribulations. 
You know, why do people, why do people go to the weight room? To get stronger. If you want to just swim with the current, you're never going to get strong. But if you can go against the current, you're going to get stronger. And perseverance produces the character. And my daughters will tell you that, and I, all my soldiers will tell you, I used to beat them up about that word character. Character means doing what is right when no one's watching. And when you go through trials and tribulations, it produces that perseverance, it produces that character, it produces that hope. Too many people in this great nation putting their hope in people, in individuals. Your hope should be in one place. And when your hope is in that one place, you will rise above. But you've got to be willing to walk through the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went through the fire. They said that we will not kneel down because you know what they thought? No weapon formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against us in judgment we shall condemn. You know what Esther thought when she barged in there and talked to Xerxes? She thought, I got to make a difference. I have to make a difference because I was made for a time such as this. And that's why Haman, his voice of accusing God's people, he learned about that vindication. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God calls us all things, not a few, not a sum, all things to work together for the good to those who call, who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let me tell you all something. There are two most important days in your life. It's the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. Now y'all saying, okay, Colonel, the first day for me, February the 7th, 1961. The second day for me came in January of 1985. I was a young airborne lieutenant. We had just finished 30 days of training in West Berlin in their urban combat center. And we got one day, one day to put on our dress green uniform, our spit shine jump boots, our maroon beret, because on that one day, you got to go through a place called Checkpoint Charlie. A lot of people don't know what Checkpoint Charlie is. Some people never even heard of Checkpoint Charlie. But Checkpoint Charlie was the little narrow defile, the agreement that the Allied powers had with the Soviet Union in the divided city of Berlin, where you could go from the west to the east. It was that narrow little defile where you lost liberty and freedom and you saw tyranny. You saw despair. You saw despondency. And when I went across the East Berlin and I saw the people, I didn't see smiles. I saw gray, nasty, ugly. I saw people that would not even look at you eye to eye because they were fearful of the fact that the Stasi, the East German secret police, would arrest them and they'd never be seen again. See, when I came back through Checkpoint Charlie to West Berlin, I knew what my purpose was. My purpose was to do exactly like my dad did in World War II. My purpose was to do exactly like what my brother did in Vietnam. My purpose was to own up and live up to this oath that we took. And thanks be to God that my nephew, he understood that purpose also. 
And last week, he became the second Lieutenant Colonel West in the United States Army. When I was in combat, I told soldiers, every single day you wake up, you got to know your task and your purpose, your what and your why. Christians, every single day that you wake up, you must know your what and your why. It is not just about going up and going to a job and going to work and getting a car, owning a home. Why did God put you here? That's the question that you have to ask. Every single day of my life, I wake up and I just say, God, Please make sure that you use me. And what will I do for God, for country, and for Texas? And at the end of every single day, before I lay down my head, I answer the question, what did I do today for God, for country, and for Texas? That's what you have to ask yourself. What is your what and what is your why? If you don't understand your task and purpose, you're just an oxygen thief. I'm just serious, man. That's what, that's what the, 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 the drill sergeants used to say. You're just an oxygen thief. You're not giving anything back. You're not making a difference if you don't understand your what and your why. And as later on it says in here that we're called to be more than conquerors. I'm sick and tired of Christians running around and allowing people to make us into victims. You know, one of the things in, in Romans in chapter 13, it talks about Christians being subject to government, righteous government, not just any government. You need to understand the difference between unrighteous and righteous government. Daniel did not submit to unrighteous government. you got to be willing to make that stand. And oh, by the way, God tells you to be strong and to good courage. You can make that stand. He tells you no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every time it rises against you in judgment, you can make that stand. He tells you that you will have tribulations in the world, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world, so you can make that stand. So why aren't we making that stand? I told the pastors this before I came in here. I want to see more Christians running for city council and school board seats, okay? You want to make a difference in our schools? Run for school board. Philippians. 4 and 13. I'm sure y'all know that one. Think about this. When Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he was chained in a prison, knowing that he was going to be beheaded. But yet he wrote, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You're chained in a prison, about to be beheaded, and you write, I can do all things through him, through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So what's your excuse? Y'all ain't chained unless you allow yourselves to be chained. But the church will be beheaded if you don't make a stand. If you don't understand that these trials and tribulations that we face right now, you have to lean into it so that it will produce the perseverance. It didn't say that he can do a few things. He said all things. And that's the resolve that you have to have. That's how you make a difference. A man sitting in a prison, chained, awaiting to be beheaded, Pastor Chris, he was still making a difference. No whiners, no wussies, no wimps. Paul continued to talk about his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all the way up to the point of his death. And the last verse of my top 10 is James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. 
Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you ain't making the devil mad, you ain't doing your job. We had a saying in the military, you only take flack when you're over the target. You should be counting it all joy if they're saying bad things about you. Because the vindication comes from the Lord. You will end up accusing those who are condemning you. Because no weapon forms against you shall prosper. Because God's already told you to be strong and of good courage, to meditate upon this book of the law, and you will have success and prosperity wherever you go. I shall not leave you nor forsake you. God has already told you that to trust in him and not in your own understanding, and he will make your path straight. He has already told you that I know that I have the plans made for you. So why do you cower back from the trials and the tribulations that he's laid out for you? Because all he's trying to do is take you as a black rock and make you into a diamond. When you become a diamond, then you become the thing that other people want. When you become the diamond, you illuminate, you shine brightly and brilliantly so that you draw people unto him. Ten little verses. Joshua 1, 5 through 9, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Isaiah 54, 17, Jeremiah 29, 11, Micah 6 and 8, John 16, 13, Romans 5, 3 through 5, Romans 8, 28, Philippians 4 and 13, James 1, 2 through 4. That's what took a young black kid born in a blacks-only hospital in 1961 enables him to stand before you to make a difference. Thank you for listening to the Sojourn Church podcast. For more messages or content similar to this, please visit our website. If you would like to support our ministry, please visit the first link in the show description or visit sojournchurch.org give.